I am super excited that you are joining us for this brand new series that I'm calling Detox. Now, listen, I have been just um, excited about teaching this series for many, many weeks. And yet I just have to confess that preparing this first week's message was <laughs> super challenging. You know why? Uh, I suspect because I'm actually living through, along with you guys, some of the stuff that I'm going to be teaching about. So everybody shout detox. All right. Let's jump into our scripture reading today because uh, we got a lot of work to do. Let's do it together. These are the words of Job in the midst of great suffering. He writes these words. They might look familiar to you. My days are over. My hopes have disappeared. My heart's desires are broken. If you were with us a couple of weeks ago, I did a standalone message uh, entitled uh, Prioritize Your Mental Health. And I told you then that when I kicked off this detox series, I wanted to come back and just kind of pound away at us normalizing and being honest about our mental health challenges as an act of being faithful to God. And so I kind of want to pick up where we left off. We had a similar verse uh, a couple of weeks ago. I want to find Job right here. You know where, you know where Job is? As, as he says these words, my days are over. My hopes have disappeared. My heart's desires, my dreams for the future have been totally shattered and broken. You know where he is? He's sitting right where many of you are sitting. Actually, you know what? He's sitting where I'm sitting. He's sitting where we are sitting. He, he's sitting in a seat where he's struggling with his mental health because of all of the challenges that he had to live through, the tragedies and the traumas, and he's also struggling a bit with his faith. And truth be told, collectively and individually, we find ourselves along in that same journey where we have, you know, we too are struggling with our mental health. How could we not, given the past two years that we've lived through and trauma upon trauma upon trauma? And yes, we all have some real questions for God and about God in the midst of what seems to be just unending pain. So, you know, it is appropriate that this first message, which is all about detox, really kind of is captured in a prayer. I want you to just kind of say this with me. Say, God, help me to detox my mind. Say it again. God, help me to detox my mind. And when I think about this notion of detox, I'll tell you how I kind of arrived at this as a kind of analogy for this, for this series. The first thing that I think about is really the detoxification process, right? And, and when you're dealing with detoxification, you know what? You're, you're working on ridding the body of toxic and unhealthy substances. And the first kind of uh, example that came to my mind as I was thinking through this series is really, uh, I was reminded back in my days when I was pastoring in Boston, I used to work with a lot of people who were working through recovery and addictions uh, and to some really hard substances and from time to time, they had to be enrolled in what was called a detox center. And for weeks, they would not be able to get access to any kind of drugs or alcohol. And, and they would go through an entire detox process. They'd have all these horrendous withdrawal symptoms and so forth and so on. But when they came out of that center, they would look like brand new people. A sense of calm and a sense of focus they would come out of those centers with. And, and God just wants me to say to somebody, you know what, he, he, he wants you to hear that if you'll just be faithful and go through this series with me as I teach it, and as he moves in your life, that his desire for you is to bring you out on the other side of this series as a brand new person, that your focus, your peace will sustain you with a fresh and brand new vision for life. 
somebody shout detox. Yes, God, begin with helping me to detox my mind. Of course, the second example is a much more positive example. It's one that tons of you have already experienced. You know, it's when you engage with uh, what is called a detox diet and you're trying to get some of the unhealthy stuff out of your body. Right. Uh, It usually starts with fasting. That's a kind of a cleansing process. And and then you go into a strict diet of fruit and vegetables and fruit juice and water. You just drink that. That's all you do for weeks. For others, it's herbs and teas and supplements. And you might even do what this here colon cleaning. <laughs> now, if you've ever had a, I see this, I laugh because I have all these flashbacks because, you know, I'm past 50 and I've had a couple of colonoscopies and, and that's what, that's a, you know, it requires a colon cleaning and you get this gallon of juice that you're supposed to drink. It's water, lemon, tastes like initially lemonade a little bit, right? Uh, and so you start drinking, it's kind of sweet but by the time you get to the end of it, it has become nasty and horrible. But you know what? It works. It cleans you out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it cleans you out. That's what detox is. It's the process that begins to clean us out so that all of those difficult things that we've accumulated can be removed. Now, here's what Job teaches us as we listen to Job as he as he says these words that my 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 days are over and my hopes have disappeared. My my heart's desires are broken. Here's what he's teaching us. This is impossible to go from trauma to trauma to trauma, pain, chaos, confusion, all of that stuff again and again without there being left behind some unhealthy stuff in our interactions and in, and, and, and how we think about ourselves and how we think about other people. And, and clearly we see that all around us, right? You, uh, Bishop Green last weekend in his wonderful message that he brought, he reminded us that there have been 37 incidents on airlines where, where, where people have broken out into fights and all of that. 30, 3,700, excuse me, 3,700 incidents. Can you believe that? And, of course, you see the multiplication of mass shootings. Man, that's not normal. 3,700 incidents on the plane. That's not normal. You know, all of that reflects mental health struggles, the effects, impacts the, reflects the world that we are living through. And you hear horrible stories about uh, a, a woman walked up on another woman in New York City, just shot and killed her. Those stories are multiplying all over the place, across race, across class, across communities. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Oh, God, help us to detox our mind. Now, let me just show you here. Job has 42 chapters. And and, and Job starts off in tragedy. I'll talk about it in just a minute. But here's how Job ends. Chapter 42. It says that the Lord restored his fortunes, all the fortunes that he lost prior to his pandemic of tragedies. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as he had before. You know what this verse actually means? That that, that Job ended up in a place where he could declare, where he could shout, I'm okay. I made it. I survived the unsurvivable. 
It's a complete surprise to Job, right? Because back in the next verse in chapter 11, that's, what, that's the verse that we're focused on today. Here's what he's saying. Right now he said, my days are over. My hopes have disappeared. My heart's desires are broken. And if you read a few more verses down, he says, what hope do I have? He says, the only hope I have is about to go into the grave with me. He, he thinks that he's just a few days away from death. He can't take it no more. And as I think about uh, this, I'm reminded of a story. And, uh, uh, you know, I grew up in a small town called Cachetta, Louisiana, Zion Chapel Baptist Church. And as a seven, eight, nine, ten year old, there was a lady in that church who was named Mrs. Sally. Uh, we call her Sister Sally. She used to, when the preaching got wonderful, and the, the choir was singing wonderful, she did what we call shout. She'd get up and dance and shout and praise God. And, you know, the urchins would, put a, would, would get around us. Some of y'all remember that and put a ring around us. Hold make sure she didn't hurt us. Now. And then the first tragedy that I ever remember striking our small church community was that her son was killed. And for weeks, actually months, she would return to church, all the joy going out of her eyes. She would sit on the, no matter how good the preaching was, how great the choir was, she sat quietly. You know, she was in chapter 11 of Job. She was in that place where she could declare with her heart, you know, my, uh, my days are gone. My hopes have disappeared. My heart's desires have been dismantled. My dreams have been destroyed. I'm sure she felt like I'm just one foot away from the grave. I cannot survive this. But then after a number of months passed by, the preaching was taking place. And in the middle of the message, Sister Sally broke into a shout. And, 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 and it was, was then, you know, as she started to shout again, you know, it, it, it just simply said to me that she had found her way into her chapter 42. And what God wants somebody to hear today, you know, <clears throat> I was listening at a, a GLS, which is a global leadership conference, and, and they, 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 they uh, made a point. They said that all of us have within our thinking what they call these circles of intuition. And that uh, at the center of the circle, that's, that's what we perceived to be possible. But as we get closer and closer to the edge of the circle, uh, th that becomes improbable to us. And our thinking, the, the edge of the circle is, uh, you know, that's what we feel like we can't do. Outside of the circle, it's total impossibility. And as a matter of fact, not only is it total impossibility, it's totally invisible because we just can't, we can't imagine it. That's where Job was in chapter 11 when he, said, when he talks about how his, his dreams have been destroyed, his hopes have been uh, dashed, his days are gone. He's just one step away that he doesn't have the ability to imagine that God has yet another season for him outside of that circle of impossibility. Come on now. That, that God had a shouting season in his future. And what somebody needs to hear me say today is that God has a shouting season in your future. You can't see it. You can't perceive it. It's hard for you to believe for it, but just trust the word of the Lord to you today. Hold on. God has a shouting season in your future. But in route there, we got to be, we got to, we need God to help us to detox our minds. Well, let me just remind you about Job's story very quickly. If you were with us a couple of weeks ago, you'll remember this. 
First of all, Job was an incredibly faithful person. Here's what it says about him. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. As a matter of fact, as a kind of a scriptural sign of his, his blessing, at least Job thought it was a sign of, 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 of enormous blessings. The text says he was, in fact, the richest person in the entire area. And Job, drew, drew, he drew a straight line between him being faithful and avoiding evil and walking with God to the enormous blessings of God in his life. And inside of that, he was so certain that God would preserve and protect him from the worst tragedies in life. And yet he woke up and found himself living in the same world that everybody else was living in. And, and overnight, his 10 beautiful kids were taken from him by a horrendous hurricane. And overnight, that incredible farm and agricultural business that he had with all those great animals and the huge profitable crops that, that chapter 1 talks about he has is totally wiped away by natural disasters and, and other stuff. And he becomes, he goes from wealthy to poor overnight. Can you see tragedy? Can you see tragedy? He loses his kids. He loses his will. And then he's struck by disease. And, 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 and the, the external expression of the disease is these huge boils that are on his body. He finds himself sitting in the garbage dump outside of the city, scraping himself with, with, uh, with a piece of pottery because he feels at this moment like a piece of junk thrown away. It's in that place that he cries out. He declares, my days are gone. It's in that place that he says, my hopes have disappeared. It's in that place. He says, you know what? My heart's desire, my dreams have dismantled. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I'm here. Some of you are thinking the same thing. That's an expression of his mental health challenges, guys. That's an expression of his faith challenge. Wow. Now, you notice one thing that's consistent throughout Job's story in the midst of that tragic season is loss, 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 loss. That's what the last two years have been for you. And that's what it's been for me. That's why it's impossible for, for that, that none of us can escape having the impact on our mental health. Because we've had layers of loss, guys. I mean, loss, if you're here in America, it's the loss of confidence in your government as it's, as it's gridlock and becoming more and more toxic on the national level and the state level, right? I mean, I mean loss, right? It's, it's some of us have lost loved ones and friends to death, and, 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 and many of us have lost the security of being able to walk outside with the certainty that we're not going to come down with, with a disease. We, we don't have that certainty anymore. Somebody's lost a job. Somebody's lost a relationship inside of multiple layers. You know, uh, Dr. Henry Cloud, who's a very uh, famous Christian psychiatrist, said that uh, pre-COVID, pre-pandemic, about 14 percent, 14 to 17 percent of America was struggling with some form of mental health challenge, you know, like clinical depression or anxiety or whatever the case might be. He says, now in the midst of this pandemic, 40% plus of the nation. I disagree with him. See, the 40% that he's talking about, those are the people who were honest. <laughs> those, are people who, those are the people who filled out and said, yeah, that's me. 
the rest of us either didn't take the, we didn't take the, the survey or we weren't honest because, see, I believe that 100% of us are dealing with mental health challenges. How could we not, guys? So here's part of the whole focus of this message, right? Since, since mental health challenges has been normalized, we're all dealing with it. I hope that this message and, and next week will help us to normalize it in our the way we talk about it and the way we're honest about it and the way we approach it with our faith. Job and you and me and Sister Sally all sitting in the same place. Hmm. Sitting in the same seat. It comes out differently. Oh, my days are gone. My hopes have disappeared. Yeah. You know, the things I used to dream about totally shattered. I don't have a sense of the future. That's, that's what we're saying in different ways. All right. So here's the prayer. God, help me to detox my mind. Come on, say it with me. God, help me to detox my mind. All right. The first step in detoxing is that you got to cleanse your system. you got to get rid of some stuff, right? you got to get rid of some of the toxic stuff that's there, some of the unhealthy stuff that's there, right? All right, let me tell you a couple of things you want to get rid of in the cleansing part of this detoxing our mind. The first thing you want to get rid of, denial. You know, no one engages in either going to a detox center for drugs or uh, alcohol or uh, engage in a, a detox diet without first getting rid of denial. That in, in, in that moment when you say, I'm going to do it, that's what you're saying is that, you know what? <laughs> I'm not okay. I got to do something different. I'm not okay. This is what Job is saying when he says, you know, my days Oh, over my hopes have gone. He's essentially saying, I'm not okay. So if you were with me two weeks ago, you'll remember this. You're going to remember it again. Hey, you and I, we've got to find the courage to be able to acknowledge this basic phrase. I'm not okay. And if you're uncomfortable saying I'm not okay, just do this. Just say this. I'm not 100%. You know? You know, I, I told you all a few weeks ago that there was a survey done where uh, a number of pastors were surveyed across the country. 30% of us said, 30% of the pastors said they didn't think they were going to make it. They weren't sure they were going to make it to the end of this year. In other words, they were thinking about quitting. And, and they were saying that this has been the hardest year, the hardest two years of their ministry. Now, listen, what I, when I preached this, preached a couple of weeks ago in person, I told them, I'm not in that 30%. Actually, I'm not. I'm not thinking about quitting at all. But I'm going to say this. The last two years have been the most difficult two years of my ministry. This huge impact on my mental health, huge impact physically, just like it has on you guys. You know, the challenge of preparing a message week after week to a hugely diverse community and trying to do it in a way so that I can speak the word of God, knowing that people are going to be parsing it through their political lenses is hugely challenging. Preaching is already challenging enough. That's a huge weight, right? I'm carrying that on a weekly basis. Uh, trying to lead a church that wants to project and plan for the next six months to a year, budget-wise, programmatic-wise, and all of a sudden, just when we launch a new camp, think we're about to move forward, we got slam on the brakes. You know why? Because we're suddenly hit it back into a brand-new surge. It's really tough stuff, right? 
I mean, I mean, I, I feel it in my mental health. I, I feel a fogginess and difficult to concentrate. I, I, I find myself looking for words that used to come easily for me. I, 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 my, my, you know, I, I, I'm waking up in the middle of the night, right? I, 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 my, my eating uh, is fluctuating. And, and I, oh, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I've got seasons of depression. and Yeah, just like you. Just like Miss Sally, just like Job. I'm surrounded by people I love who are dying and sick and trying to care for people who are living through what feels like impossible situations, trying to communicate to them the love and the faithfulness of God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not okay. Just like you. Now, here's the value of being able to say, I'm not okay. That's what, that's what, that's what Job was saying. He's talking about his hopes and his days and his dreams all destroyed. That's what he was saying. He said, look, I'm not playing any games. I'm not pretending anymore. I just want you, listen, I'm not okay. Here's the value of being able to keep that out in front of you. It means that you live with an awareness of of, of your interactions and how you're engaging with people and how you're reacting to to circumstances and things. Here's, Here's a great, here's what I mean. Be aware, watch this, of impulse Towards. You know, when you're, when you're disconnected from God and from people, when you're, when you're going through tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, you find yourself doing some impulsive stuff. This is part of the unhealthiness, right? And one of the, we got to be aware of the impulse towards fleeing, running, getting away from. You know, some people refer to this as the great migration because people are moving all over the country. Some people refer to this season as the great resignation because people are just quitting jobs all over the place. Uh, people are leaving relationships left and right saying, I've had enough, I can't handle it. And in and, and all of those examples, there are very wise and reasonable decisions that are being made for economic reason and for relationship reasons. But here's the deal. When you keep out in front of you that you're not OK, you will pause when it comes to making life changing decisions, because it may be a decision that you will regret six months or a year from now. You see, because you're making a decision out of a place of not being OK. The same thing goes for responding to temptation impulsively. You see that married person, all of a sudden you're attracted to this person. Addictions, you're spending more money than you've ever spent before. You're, you're drinking in a way that you've never drank before. Risky behavior, you're, you're, you're racing your car up and down the highway in ways you used to be a good driver. Now you're just racing and weaving through traffic. Come on now, easily offended. I'm talking about some of the toxic stuff, some of the unhealthy stuff that we find in our system because we're living through so much. Oh God detox my mind. Help me. Help me. Notice this easily offended. I experienced this personally uh, just a few days ago. Someone in my circle said a wonderful thing about another person but because of the dynamics of it. You've you've been in this situation I'm sure where you say well what about me? (laughs) Just say it out loud. Just say what about me? And all of a sudden, I started feeling hurt and offended. This person had no idea. And then I remembered. I just said out loud, I'm not okay. That's what's going on. I'm, I'm you know, my emotions are thin. My, my soul is thin. My capacity 
is limited. I'm not okay. I'm not 100%. And what's going on in me, this person has nothing to do with this person. It's about my not being okay. I could filter that because I'm being honest about my mental health. What about you? Yeah. There's a, one of our partners at NBCC, uh, Johnny Cooks, he, he showed me this T-shirt, which I love. All right, the other day, I took a picture of it, right? It, it says this. He says, <laughs> hood with a hint of holy. Pray with me. Don't play with me. <laughs> I love it. Don't you love that? <laughs> Somebody, come, on, come on, just raise your hand. It's like, yeah, 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 that's me. Yeah, yeah, I, I got it. There's a little hood with a hint of holy. Yeah, pray with me. Don't you play with me. My emotions are fit. Come on now. You know, another way of, of interpreting this shirt, you know what this shirt really saying? I'm not okay. Not 100%. There's a value in that. All right. So the first thing you got to do is get rid of denial. That's the first act of God beginning to detox our mind. The second thing we got to do is get rid of what I want to call immature theological assumptions. And Job, you know, as great a person as he was, as faithful as he was, as close as he walked to God, he had some immature theological assumptions. Here's the first immature theological assumption that he actually had. Uh, it's this. Put it up. Next slide. A faithful relationship with God comes with a contractual guarantee against enduring major human suffering and loss. So you, some of you may want to take, out, take a picture of this right here because you may have never said it, but that's what you think. That's what you thought. That somehow walking with God and being close to God and being faithful with God, that that would guarantee that God would protect and preserve you from some of the worst broken expressions of life. And suddenly you woke up like Job and discovered that you're living in the same world that everybody else is living in. My goodness. Look at this. Look at, look at this passage out of Job. It says, he was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and he stayed away from evil. And built in that was the assumption that God's got me. And he woke up in a tripart pandemic of tragedies. Wow. My goodness. Here's what Jesus says. Just to dispel it all. And, and let me just say this before I say what Jesus says. For those of us who are Jesus followers, here's the deal. Check me out. It is impossible to follow someone, Jesus I'm talking about, who ultimately ended up on the cross without you and I ending up in crucifixion seasons. But if we follow that one, then we know that the crucifixion wasn't the last word. We know that death was not the last word. And we, we are confident that we will, what, what, we will end up where he ended up at, in a resurrection season. You see, there comes a Good Friday, there comes a crucifixion season. But as we follow the one who says, I am the ultimate overcomer, there's always a resurrection season. My God, <laughs> there is a hope. Here's what Jesus says, just to clarify it for everybody. He says, listen, I've told you all this so that you may have peace, not in your money, come on, not in your job, not in your health, but in me. Why in me, Jesus? Why in you, Jesus? Well, see, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. You know what those words are for? Tribulations. You know, you can replace this word with tragedy. You know, you can replace it here on earth. You have many traumas. But take heart if you, if you, if you invest and connect and engage relationally with me. And trust me. Here's what he says. Take heart. Because I have overcome the world. 
And I will not only help you to survive the unsurvivable, I will give you an overcoming season. After every crucifixion season, there is, come on now, a resurrection season. You got to keep trusting him in the process. So let me get rid of denial. Let me get rid of, of, uh, of uh, you know, of this notion that somehow God keeps me from all trouble. He does protect me from some stuff, but not everything. The final example of that is, you see, we all die. It's a part of living in this broken world. Here's another assumption you want to get rid of. This one. Stop confusing the unfairness of a broken world with the faithfulness of God. Those, the world is unfair and God is faithful, those two things exist at the same time. Here's how Job talked about it in his, in, his, uh, in his own scripture. He said, look, here's the confusion in his mind. Remember, he thought God had his back. He thought God was going to protect him from all the stuff everybody else is doing because he's walking very close with God. And suddenly he finds himself in the midst of this, this triple tragedy that's unheard of, just uh, uh, unprecedented in, in his life, in it, unprecedented in that region, Right? And he's confused and he's angry with God. He can, he, he, he's confused by God. And he says this. He says, innocent or wicked, it is all the same to God. That's why I say he destroys, he destroys, God destroys both the blameless and the wicked. No, Job, you're confusing the brokenness of an unfair world with God's faithfulness. God's, God shows up and he's faithful in the midst of this broken and unfair world. And if you're reading the book of Job, you know that actually it's not God that's doing it. It's the presence of evil that's taking advantage of all the ways that the world is broken and trying to break Job. Evil in all of its different forms would love to break you. See, but God working in your life has called you to be an overcomer. Notice this point. Here it is. Here's how faith should work. Faith is not a spiritual bypass. We often use faith that way to bypass being honest about our mental health, to downplay our mental health, to minimize our mental health, right? That's not how faith is supposed to be used. Ultimately, faith is, the, is ultimately the source of hope. Come on, come on, everybody shout hope, hope, hope. Jesus says, as he was headed towards Jerusalem, he told his disciples, he says, listen, here's what's going to happen when I get there. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be uh, um, falsely accused, found guilty of what I didn't do. Uh, I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be put to death. He said, don't worry. On the third day, I'm going to get up again. Somebody shout hope. Paul wrote these words. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed within us. Can somebody shout hope? I heard Pastor Abertate say also at the GLS this past week that hope and grief are great roommates. I, I heard Paul underscore that when he writes to those who are grieving. Uh, he, he writes these words. He says, he says, he says uh, grieve, but do not grieve as, though, as those who have no hope. The, the faith doesn't give you a bypass from the brokenness of life but it gives you hope as you work through it. 
<laughs> courage, don't you remember? Jesus shows up in the storm where his disciples are on this boat that's seemingly breaking apart, and he cries out to them, take courage. Why? Because I am here. God is saying that to you. Take courage. I'm here. Strength, Paul writes to somebody who feels like I'm at the end of my rope. He says, remember that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. The end of your word rope is the beginning of God's power. Wow. <laughs> it's this peace. Yes, it's with Jesus who says, you will, you know, I tell you these things so that you will have peace in me. In the midst of life falling apart, in the midst of, of, of crouching towards death, peace in me because I've overcome all of that. Wisdom, I can hear the writer in Proverbs says, you know, in a powerful way that acknowledge God in all your ways and he will direct your, your steps as you try to find your way through chaos and uncertainty in your life. Whew. Yeah. To Job who writes, my days are over. My hopes have disappeared. I'm upset with God. I distrust God. I don't even know what to pray from God. I say to him, well, here's what you're going to pray for God. (laughs) You're going to ask God for fresh hope and new courage and new strength and and a peace that sustains you as you work through what you're working through. You're going to ask God for wisdom that helps you to navigate the chaos that's in your life. Wow. You know, I'm finished. Now, listen, here's where we want to end. That You find in chapter 19, Job breaks script. All of a sudden, right in the middle of complaining about God, he says this. But as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives and will stand upon the earth at last. And then he begins to articulate a vision of resurrection for which he has no context for. The the theologians don't know where this comes from. It says, and after my body, he writes, has decayed. Yet in my body, I will see God. And and what I just believe that, 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 that as he was wrestling with God, he stayed in connection with God. And, and that God at some point just showed up and reinforced the power of his presence in Job's life. And Job found himself just crying out, I know my Redeemer lived. Come on now. When you feed on God's worship music, when you feed on God's word, when you engage with the right conversation with the right people, you'll wake up. Not every day, not every night. Come on now. Not every hour, but every now and then you'll be able to wake up and declare, I know my Redeemer lives. And he's got a shouting season for my future. Praise be to God. Yeah, that's right. A shouting season for your future. All right, listen. Right now, I want to invite you to take a step towards Jesus and take a step towards the future that God has for you. Now, if you're watching on Facebook or on our website, there's a link to our connection card. Otherwise, I want to encourage you to download our NBCC app. And in the app, you can simply go to our connection card and there you'll find next steps with Jesus. And for somebody listening to me right now, you know what your next step is? It's the very first thing you see there. It is the opportunity to say, I want Jesus to be Lord and Redeemer of my today, my tomorrow and my destiny. Because I don't know what tomorrow is going to I'm going to find or run into tomorrow. But whatever it is, I want the overcomer, Jesus, to be in my life. You should go ahead and check that. There are a couple of other options there that I think you may find relevant as well. So look very closely. Make the right decision today. 
Now, as it relates to the response to the message, here's a mantra I want to challenge all of you to join me in saying over the course of this week as we go through difficult times and challenging times, this is the mantra right here. I'm not okay, but I will be okay. That's a positive confession on both sides. One, yeah, I'm struggling a little bit. You know, I'm not okay. But two, through the power of God working in my life, I know I will be okay. Now, here's a reflection question I want you to uh, also wrestle with. What is my greatest mental health challenge? As we continue to lean into prioritizing our mental health as an act of faithfulness to God. All right. Make sure you get back next Sunday to hear week two of detox. You don't want to miss that. And if you're watching online, then, of course, you'll find us here at 9 and 11 a.m. Pacific time. If you're local, uh, you can find us both in Ridgewood City and in San Jose uh, at 11 a.m. in terms of our in-person worship gatherings. Make sure you register. You can start registering uh, every Monday to attend those gatherings.